Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. There is news today. We begin with it. Arch Manning, the five-star quarterback. By now, you have certainly heard plenty about him, and you will hear more in the weeks and months to come. Over the course of the weekend, you may have read this at DogNation.com, has announced the dates for the three official visits that he's willing to announce right now. And this is kind of where things stand with Manning in his recruitment. We knew that Georgia would be a part of this. We had a suspicion about when that date would be. And that was confirmed by Manning over the weekend. Jeff Sintel writing about this at DogNation.com. Let me give you the info on this. Uh, according to Jeff at DogNation, you can circle the calendar for June 3rd through the 5th. That's when five-star quarterback Arch Manning going to make an official visit in Athens. He says that weekend was already set to be vital for the 2023 class. Five-star safety Caleb Downs. We talked to him about that on TV last week. Also, uh, Justice Haynes, the uh, running back. They were all going to be there for that. And Jeff says that Dog Nature was also able to confirm on Saturday morning that Manning's going to take his official visit to Georgia, then Alabama, and Texas on the first three weekends in June. He says the fourth weekend in June will be reserved for the annual Manning Passing Academy quarterback camp at Nickel State University. So in other words, first weekend in June in Georgia, weekend after that going to Alabama, weekend after that going to Texas, weekend after that going to the quarterback camp that bears his last name, the Manning Passing Academy. That is what sets up for Arch Manning here during the month of June. Now, nothing that we've learned about Manning over the course of the last few days has caused me to change my mind from what I have been saying for quite quite some time I believe Arch Manning is coming to Georgia and obviously you have to respect the other schools that are in this recruitment the other schools that are getting their official visits but ultimately I believe that Manning is going to end up at UGA I want to talk more about why but as a way of kind of getting there let me start with this there's a guy named David Cobb who writes for CBSSports.com and one of those like little ensemble pieces where a bunch of different writers weigh in on a similar topic the subject of where Arch Manning should go came up. And you had you know various guys making their case for the other schools here in this discussion. But David Cobb, the writer, tried to make his case for why Manning should go to Georgia. And in doing so, I think he made an interesting statement about what makes Georgia a little different than the other schools in this recruitment. Georgia, for instance, more successful than Texas has been. But in the quarterback situation, less heralded at that spot, at that position, than a program like Alabama has been. But in some ways, the, the the unique profile of UGA sets up a scenario for Manning, which the writer at CBS thinks could be exactly what Manning maybe wants and maybe precisely what he needs. Let me read you this from CBSSports.com, why one of their writers thinks that Manning, I guess, will, but should choose UGA. He says that he, meaning Arch Manning, would be surrounded by elite talent that would help him reach SEC title games and college ball playoffs. But... He can also be a player unlike anything the Bulldogs have seen in over a decade. Now, this is an interesting stat. David Cobb writes at CBS that by the time Manning is draft eligible in 2025, it will likely be 14 years since Georgia has seen a quarterback before the fifth round of the NFL draft. It means taken earlier than that in the NFL draft. David Cobb says Manning can change that and excite the program in a fresh way he can become a Georgia legend once again those are the words of David Cobb from CBS Sports so 
Will Georgia have a quarterback drafted better than that before 2025? I don't know. Uh, obviously, that's kind of making a little bit of an inference about what you think about Carson Beck and Brock Vandegrift, I guess, to a degree. And we'll kind of hold off on any of those kind of predictions for right now. The overall takeaway from what, what Cobb is saying there is, yes, Georgia's been an incredibly successful program. They are obviously the reigning national champion. But man, they really need a quarterback. Haven't dominated the draft, the quarterback position the way they have at other spots. And we've even said that ourselves, right? We've talked about that being kind of the final frontier for UGA. They've just racked up draft win after draft win, using elite recruits to do so at virtually every single position. But quarterback's been a little bit of a lag there. So from one respect, we've kind of already said what David Cobb says there that that Georgia clearly has needed that great quarterback and Arch Manning could be the guy that sets all that in motion where all of a sudden Georgia starts producing draft picks at the quarterback spot every bit as successfully as it does uh, the other positions there as well but here's the thing that you intuitively already know even if you haven't quite articulated this way just because you need something doesn't mean you're going to get something in fact in life doesn't seem like it works out this way that the needier you seem, the less likely it is to get what it is that you feel like you want or you feel like you do need. For instance, if you walk up to somebody, whoever you're interested in, say, hey, I'd like for you to go on a date with me. In fact, I really need you to go on a date with me because I'm desperate for companionship. <laughs> that kind of courting is not likely to result in the outcome that you want. Or if you're a salesman, salesperson, you've gone on one of these sales calls and like, boy, listen, I really need to make this sale. Otherwise, I'm not quite so sure I can pay my mortgage this month. You know, once again, that kind of neediness is just a little bit of a turnoff. I'm not sure if somebody wants to do business with someone who needs something that bad. You don't want to spend time with someone who who kind of, you know, is that needy. You know, you know, needy people don't typically get the things they need or get the things they want. So so for David Cobb to kind of, you know, base his argument on Arch Manning going to Georgia because of how bad Georgia needs Arch Manning, even though it's obviously true that Georgia needs to break through a quarterback the way that it's broken through at other positions, that alone is not enough to, to get the Arch Manning conversation going. That if Georgia wins with Manning, it won't win with Manning because it needs him. I believe it'll win with Manning because it has earned the right to be in this discussion. And make no mistake about this, Georgia has earned the right to be in the conversation for Arch Manning to a greater degree than it is often given credit for. Now, let me tell you why I was thinking about this. I saw a guy on social media within the last, I don't know, couple days, whatever, and he spoke up in favor of Manning and UGA. And if you've been paying attention to what this guy has said a lot recently, I think you know, oh, this maybe represents a, a little bit of an evolution. The guy I'm talking about here is Aaron Murray. Now, obviously, Murray, being a Georgia alumnus, would always like for uh, Arch Manning to come to UGA. But in terms of actually counseling him to do so, I, I think maybe there's some evidence that that maybe he'd be more willing to do that now than he would have been in the past. Let me show you uh, uh, Aaron Murray on Twitter. The other day, you know, one of these outlets kind of put out there that quote, I guess it was originally to on three that Manning had given about liking Athens as a college town and Aaron Murray saw that and obviously himself you would certainly presume having a pretty good time uh, in Athens during his college years had something to say about that on Twitter let me show you this on the screen here yeah so uh the Manning quote and pro football focus picked this up although I believe it on three had it first is that Athens is probably the best college town I've ever been to well, Aaron Murray on Twitter says, hey, it ain't a bad life being the quarterback there. And he laughs, Georgia football, and tags the uh, official account there. 
in that. And people kind of understand that, right? That Aaron Murray enjoyed his time, and he certainly would assume that Arch Manning would enjoy his time there as well. But the person saying this, I believe, is pretty interesting given all that that Murray, the Georgia alumnus, but also now an analyst and, you know, guy that's connected to college sports in a number of ways. When you think about all the things that he has said about the Georgia offense recently, and in fact, I want to give you two side-by-side comparisons here. You want to know why Georgia is at the doorstep of the Arch Manning recruitment, why Georgia gets the, the prestige of hosting Manning on his first official visit, why guys like me can very clearly state, I believe Manning's ultimately going to come to Georgia. The evolution of the words of a guy like Aaron Murray, I think, proves that about as well as anything could. Let me start with this. Let's go back to last summer for a moment. This is almost exactly a year ago, just shy of a year ago. Murray, who, listen, Georgia guy, you know, loves his alma mater, you know, connected the program from a business standpoint there, too, but also trying to be an objective analyst working CBS, things along those lines there as well. And he went on the radio station in Birmingham known as WJOX. And at the time, Murray expressed a lot of concern about the Georgia offense. Now, I've taken, you know, what was originally like a two or three minute clip here, and I've tried to shorten it down to about 45 seconds or so. But this was Murray last summer, a guy who's like, hey, Archie Manning would love it here in Athens. Do you think the Murray of last summer would have been saying that? Because let me give you a reminder of what he was saying, very concerned about the Georgia wide receivers a year ago. This is Aaron Murray. Kind of the same story, you know, offensive line's been okay, running backs look good, we know that, JT's look fine, but I'm worried more about the receivers. I mean, I am super concerned that we just don't have that that playmaking ability, and then that's something that I was concerned about last year as well, and everyone was like, oh, it's the quarterback's fault, I'm like, no, watch the film, they don't have guys that can consistently win, and someone that you can just give a bubble to or a slant make a guy a couple guys miss and take it to the house like they don't have that to me this is going to be an offense that is going to be not very different from what we're used to seeing from georgia running the football and playing defense so that is murray from last summer that is a guy that's not too happy with the georgia offense that's a guy really pointing some fingers at the georgia wide receiver room saying that position group's got to be better now i play that because murray was also on this show back in march And I think it's pretty remarkable to think that over the course of just a few months' time, because of one season, Murray would be able to change his opinion as much as he did. A guy who on Twitter is like, oh, yeah, listen, quarterbacks love Athens, obviously, as a way of kind of touting Arch Manning. And going from the evolution of a guy that a year ago, I think justifiably might have had some skepticism about how a guy like Arch could function at UGA. And you just heard how critical he was of the receivers last summer. But when he was on this show back in March, that criticism, for the most part, had completely disappeared. And at least from my perception, listening to Murray's words, his outlook for the Georgia offense had greatly enhanced. And all of a sudden, he was far more optimistic about what this program can do on the offensive side of the ball when it comes to pass catching targets in particular. Listen to Murray from March and listen to how much his tone had changed Aaron Murray again. I was talking to Bobo the other day and he was just raving about A.B. Mitchell and then and, and- you know, is someone, too, when, when you see him in person, you see him out there running routes, he's one impressive individual. And I think the way he ended last season off, you saw a lot of confidence built from him. You know, I love Ladd. I thought Ladd had a tremendous year last year. Really that deep threat, the guy that you saw, like, in the SEC Championship game and other games, that can take some of those tunnel screens, make a couple guys miss, and create those explosive plays down the field. 
Um, so I, I'm looking for both those two to really step their game up another notch, which I think they can. Obviously, you, you, you pretty much throw Brock Bowers into the, the equation as well. I mean, Brock is a tight end. I mean, he, he's a receiver. Uh, he can do it all. Um, I think it's the most versatile position in, in college football. I think it's the most versatile position in all of sports right now uh, and, and when it comes to, to, to football in the NFL and in college. So to have a guy like Bowers that you can move around, create matchups, I, I think it's amazing. I think between those three, I feel very confident about what they can do. Isn't that amazing? Almost interesting to believe that's even the same person, given the level of skepticism that Murray showed last summer and the level of optimism that he showed this past spring when he discussed the same topic this time on this show here on Dog Nation Daily presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. It just goes to show how a little bit of success can change the perception. And clearly for Murray, that perception had greatly changed, which kind of brings us back to what we've been talking about here before is, is that Georgia over the course of time is earning the right to have an Arch Manning conversation earning the right to get one of these official visits i believe it'll eventually earn the right to actually win this commitment and sign manning but it's not because of how bad georgia needs manning it's because that slowly over the course of time georgia's succeeding with what it has which makes a guy like manning view the program i believe in a much more attractive light now let me give you a couple of numbers here to back up more of that perception change you heard from the words of uh, aaron murray there a moment ago I want to look at two stats here in particular. And when you look at the way in which Georgia has improved year over year over year, all of a sudden the fact that Georgia is this involved with a quarterback like Manning, all of a sudden that becomes a lot easier to understand. Let me show you this first, the the stat that probably matters more than any other. How many points do you score, right? The name of the game is still scoring points and limiting points for your opposition. But looking at the Georgia offense here for a moment, how many points do you score? Well, here's what you see over the course of the last three years. Dramatic improvement from Georgia in each of those years. In fact, let me show you this on the screen here for a moment. So in 2019, Georgia was 49th best in the country when it comes to points per game, averaging 30.8. But in 2020, Georgia went from 49th up to 38th. They improved their points per game average to 32.3. But how about this? The huge jump took place last year from 20 in 2021 when Georgia jumped all the way up from 38th to 9th in points per game nationally averaging 38.6 why did Aaron Murray change his tune so much on the Georgia offense because they got way better they went from 38th best in scoring to 9th best in scoring and they improved their scoring by what uh, just more than a touchdown per game yeah you better believe if you're paying close attention you will change your tune about the Georgia offense if you see that kind of improvement now let's zero in in particular on the thing that Manning would do at Georgia which is throw the football one more stat I want to show you here when it comes to throwing the football the stat that I believe probably matters more than any other is yards per attempt now why is that because yards per attempt is kind of the combination of how explosive your passes are uh, along with how accurate your passes are in other words you can dink and dunk your way to a high completion percentage, but that might not mean anything. Or you can throw some touchdowns, but if you're not very accurate on the other throws, that might not also mean as much as you think. But yards per attempt is a pretty good intersection of how accurate you are as a thrower and how explosive those throws were. With that in mind, once again, you're talking about three years worth of dramatic improvement for UGA when it comes to a yards per attempt number. Let's show you this on the screen here. Uh, again, this is for the uh, full team over the course of these year, these years in question here in 2019 georgia was 63rd in the country in yards per pass attempt at 7.5 
Big improvement in Todd Munkin's first year of 2020. Georgia goes from 63rd to 30th. And the yards per attempt number that year had moved up to 8.2. How about this? Once again, similar to the scoring stat I gave you a moment ago, in 2021, Georgia jumped all the way up to ninth best in the country in passing yards per attempt at 9.3. Once again, that's an example of why a guy like Aaron Murray, once a skeptic of the Georgia offense, the passing game in particular, almost completely changed his tune over the course of a few months, you have to presume, because the numbers got that much better. So ultimately, you want to make the discussion about why uh, a guy like Arch Manning might choose Georgia, might go down the path of becoming a Georgia legend, might you know make this his college home. It's not because of how bad Georgia needs him. It's because of the fact that over the course of the last three years, Georgia's kind of proving it's doing okay without him. But to get from ninth best to first best, maybe you do need that great quarterback to help you take that final step. And maybe a guy like Arch Manning really is attracted to to that kind of situation. That Georgia's the reigning national champion. Georgia's seemingly got just about everything else in place it could have for a program. Now looking to take that next step with a great quarterback. But the step that could allow it to take that is the fact that over the course of these last few years, it has gotten better and better and better. You give Aaron Murray, I should say, you give Todd Munkin some of the credit for that. You give the players who've been on the field some of the credit for that. But it is undeniable. The statistical improvement is hard to miss. Arch Manning has pretty clearly noticed that. And when he takes his official visit here to Georgia in the early stages of the month of June, you better believe that'll be a big part of the conversation that takes place. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans presented today by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. And glad to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today, whether it be live on video, 945, our first and 15, dognation.com and the Dog Nation app. 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, or on the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref. And we're podcast, Apple, Spotify, the Google Player, and the world famous dognation.com. Obviously, posting show every day. Uh, I should say the, the the Google players, the Android folks, posting the show at dognation.com. The point is, there's like a million different ways to watch, listen to the show. We just hope you'll find one of them that works for you, and we certainly appreciate you doing that. And we appreciate our friends at Pella Window and Door of George for making it all possible. You know, it was just this time a week ago, we actually spent some time there at the Pella Showroom in Duluth and how much fun that was. I told you before, I like to like feel things. You know, you pull out the windows from the display area there, and you kind of feel what is it that makes a Pella window a better window? You look at the doors, those entry doors. You know, what makes these more energy efficient? What makes them look better? Because after all, if you want to improve the curb appeal of your home, you know, better windows, better doors, I think the best way you can possibly do that. Plus, it keeps the energy where it's supposed to be inside the house. You want to feel good this summer when it's so hot, uh, air conditioning's working overdrive. Well, listen, better windows and doors keeps that AC where it's supposed to be inside, keeping you feeling nice and cool there as well. Uh, Atlanta area homeowners have known this for a long time. There's a 2020 survey going back then. And listen, those folks chose Pella Window and Door of Georgia as the recognized brand leader when it comes to these kinds of things. So it's time for you to kind of search that out for yourself and find out why Pella Window and Door of Georgia is truly viewed to be the best. And you want great savings? Well, get a chance to do that right now. Between now and June 2nd, you can get 50% off qualifying installations or 0% 
APR for 24 months there as well. Great savings, great opportunity. So here's how you get in touch. Go by and see the Duluth showroom like we saw it uh, the other day. It's every Monday through Friday from 9 to 5. It's also open on Saturday from 10 to 4 right there in Duluth. They'd love to see you there in person. Or if you want to do it online, how about PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. That's PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. And you can also give them a call, 678-638-1496. That's 678-638-1496. Just make sure you tell them that BA from Dog Nation Daily said that they would take good care of you because I truly know that they will. It's great to have Pella Window and Door of Georgia here with us on Dog Nation Daily today because they are viewed to be the best. We're going to get John Stinchcomb here coming up in just a moment. I'm looking forward to that conversation here today. But before that, I do want to go around the doghouse, which is assisted today by our friends at AAA. And the college football news cycle can be weird from time to time. An example of that within the last couple of days, there was a thing that Smart, Kirby Smart, the Georgia coach, said a few days ago that actually got more attention this weekend than it probably did when he originally said it. Just sometimes that's the way things kind of go. But a lot of folks jumped on this online because – they felt like Smart was being, I think, I guess you'd say hypocritical or maybe naive about the role that money may have played in the past when it comes to recruiting or whatever else. And I really think, and maybe you wouldn't expect the host of a Georgia show to say this, but I really think that Smart got a little bit of a bad rap. I think that what Smart said here was kind of misconstrued, and I think there's evidence over the weekend of what actually Smart meant by what it was that he said. So let me do this. Let me go back to the Paul Feinbaum show, the quote from actually several days ago now, more than a week ago, that got a lot of attention over the weekend because obviously people were still kind of in the midst of that Jimbo Nick Saban dust up here a little bit. This is smart expressing his concern about the NIL era and kind of maybe what should be done about that, or at least the motivation that something should be done about it. This is what smart told Feinbaum when Paul asked smart what concerns him about college football. This from the Feinbaum show. What can we do to protect our game? You know, it's really tough because the naysayers out there think we're trying to limit kids or take opportunities away. That's not anybody's intent. No coach wants to take an opportunity away from his players who play a tough, physical, rugged sport. I just want to make sure that the game stays at a point where we can control it. And I think everybody would agree that college football is one of the greatest sports there is. It's, It's very pure, it's amateur, and now it's drifting the other way. It makes it tough. So I'm all for the players. Uh, we've had a lot of players get an opportunity to name image likeness. I would just not want it to be a decision based on where I'm going to the highest bidder. And if we can control that some kind of way, it would be much better. So the quote that people kind of pulled out there on that was, ah, oh, Smart says he doesn't want recruits to go to the highest bidder. And there were kind of two like ways that people kind of took shots at this. Like there was the person who, you know, or the kind of person that would say, well, you know, what a smart thing's been going on in the past for all these years. And they go, you know, you know, this assumption that under the table money has been what's driven the recruiting stuff in the past. And for smart to say, you know, highest bidder as if that's only now become a factor. And, you know, listen, as we said before, we're not willing to stipulate anything like that. But that's obviously, a, you know, a conversation that exists in the past. And, you know, people obviously have their their kind of thing when it comes to that kind of stuff. And then the other part of all of this was the frustration that some people have that that you know coaches don't want to embrace the idea that that players should get a chance to cash in on their fame or their their athletic ability or whatever else and pretty clearly that's not what smart is saying but but some people still kind of push that notion there a little bit and ultimately i think all of this is kind of misunderstood to me 
it's pretty obvious what Kirby's actually saying here. I think a lot of coaches probably, you know, fall into a similar line of thinking with Kirby. I think all Kirby's really saying here is, is that if a player is only making a decision related to NIL, in other words, school A's offer me X amount of money, school B's offer me Y amount of money, Y's more than X, that's the school that I'm going to. If that's the only thing that you are basing your recruiting decision on, then you are bound to make a mistake. You are likely to regret the decision that you make because there's obviously more in consideration here than money. That's not the same thing as saying you shouldn't worry about money, you should go to the, you know, the best school. That's not the same thing as saying that. It's saying that in the consideration about what the school that is best for you is, there is more than just money at stake. And this past weekend, I think for Georgia, is the perfect example of that. Smart says, hey, this should be about more than just the highest bidder. And if you're a Georgia fan, the thing I think you should be thankful for is, is that Georgia pretty clearly offers more than just a high NIL bid. Because if that's all you got, eventually that's going to be found out. I mean, take an example of Jaden Wayne here from the five-star edge rusher out of the state of Washington. I thought when Jeff Sintel joined us on Friday on Dog Nation Daily, uh, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, one of the things that um, that Jeff pointed out is for a guy like Wayne, presumably who's got all kinds of NIL opportunities, that when he thinks about Georgia, when he's you know noticed things about Georgia from previous visits, that it's actually more than just that kind of thing that stands out to him. So when Smart says this is going to be about more than just who the highest bidder is pretty clearly Georgia's trying to put it money where its mouth is when it comes to that kind of stuff let me give you jeff from friday as an example of that huge weekend man. it's a scavenger hunt weekend usually the scavenger hunt weekend has been pretty good for georgia three of them stand out Jaden wayne i think georgia's in that thing i don't know if they're you know in the red zone yet with Jaden wayne but they're doing all they can i think he's intrigued by the brotherhood of georgia the way Georgia guys kind of hang out. He was really impressed, he told me, because when he was at GJ for the spring game and then when he was at Georgia for the Charleston Southern game and now he's back here in Athens this weekend, that's three trips in about six months when you're 2,800 miles away. But he was really impressed by how the Georgia guys keep coming back. Like, he understood why all the guys showed up to get the rings because they were just a part of the 2021 team. What really got him were the guys like the – the J.R. Reeds and the Monty Rices, you know, those players in Brian Harrion, those players, Marie Caring, those players that were part of Georgia like two or three years ago that weren't, were not getting a ring, but they wanted to come back and be a part of the brotherhood of Georgia football. I think the point here is pretty clear. Look, maybe Jaden Wayne goes to Georgia, maybe he doesn't. Maybe Georgia can make an NIL offer to him that's commensurate with what he's going to get other places. Maybe for whatever reason, it, it, it won't do that. But what's obvious, as Jeff reported on this show on Friday, is that Wayne is considering other things in addition to that. He likes the, I know this is an overused word, but in this particular case, it's the best thing I can think to say. He likes that brotherhood where guys like J.R. Reed, who Jeff mentioned by name, they do want to come back. With the 2021 team, seem to enjoy playing with each other. Remember the stories we heard from the NFL scouting combine of them waiting around to watch the others work out? There's something about that that just feels good. It's about more than just whatever kind of money I can get from an NIL standpoint. The best programs will sell more than just money. Deficient, weak programs will sell money and money alone because that's all they have to sell. And what Kirby Smart said on the Feinbaum show is, 
We want to make sure that we're offering more than just that to players, and this sport should exist to offer more than just that to players because Smart's a believer in the sport of college football. From that standpoint, I think that's actually really good. Now, before I move off this topic completely, let me do a little bit more recruiting-related stuff here for a moment. And the weekend, you saw the cool photo there of Jaden Wayne and his official visit, the Washington State flag kind of right there in the center of that with all the folks kind of posing around him. I think that's actually a really good photo. I don't know. I just think that's really cool. Uh, Georgia's national reach everybody smiling and everybody having a good time it was the scavenger hunt over the course of the weekend when jeff was here on friday he also previewed more of that of in addition to wayne some other really big defensive guys who are going to be on hand let me give you a little bit more of jeff about what to expect and then we'll follow up with what actually happened this is jeff's intel again from friday Another name to talk about is you got Deshaun Womack. Now, Deshaun Womack, very interesting guy, defensive lineman. Same private school program in Baltimore, Maryland. That was where Jamon Dumas Johnson came from. That's where Don Allen Morris set, I believe, spent at least his freshman season in a high school as well. So you've got a guy coming in there for the defensive line. Georgia's defensive line recruiting should never be any better than it is right now. Then another really interesting name. You're going to like this. Six foot six, about 340, 345. Big defensive tackle, Sadir Mitchell out of Bergen Catholic in New Jersey. Uh, he's also coming in town on his official visit. Look at it. Defensive lineman, defensive lineman, and another really quality uh, player as well. Where I think Jaden Wayne can play the edge. He could be the jack in the three, four, George's front. He can kind of play with his hand off the ground. I mean, there are three guys and the three first official visits are all on the defensive side of the ball. Sounds a lot like 2022, and that sounds a lot what Georgia has kind of built its program on. So if you're watching on video, as Jeff was talking about Sidney Mitchell there and uh, Deshaun Womack, you saw photos of them on their visits, you know, enjoying that uh, – a scavenger hunt type thing where they go find Kirby Smart. Yeah, that's the uh, famous scene you're used to seeing. You know, that's one of those deals. Remember Keely Ringo, a hero of the national championship game? It's one of those moments when we knew how much he was enjoying UGA, going back to that time of appreciating that scavenger hunt. Now you see Deshaun Womack and others. There's a whole bunch of folks, obviously, in addition to the ones we're talking about here. Uh, Sammy Brown, all kinds of people were on hand there that day, but having a uh, having a good time doing all that kind of stuff. So certainly evidence of that coming up from the uh, scavenger hunt. Good stuff from Jeff Sintel when he was on our show on Friday talking about all of that. But the bottom line here is is that Georgia was able to make a big impression on Womack and Mitchell and and, and Jaden Wayne there and a whole host of others too. It's got plenty to sell. Is it selling the NIL stuff? Does Smart believe in that? Pretty clearly in the fine bomb show, he said, yeah, you know, go out there and get paid, get yours, and find a way to do that. But you better consider more than just your NIL opportunities. Do you have fun on this campus? Do you enjoy all of that? And it seems pretty likely and obviously that Georgia is selling a good bit of that right now, too. That is Around the Doghouse. It's assisted today by our friends at – let me try that one more time. It is assisted today by our friends at AAA. Why is that? Because AAA assists us everywhere we're going. Legendary roadside assistance. I drove halfway to Athens before turning around, coming back to Atlanta here today. That's a lot of time on the road. That means AAA for me. Uh, going with me to make sure if something happens, if I break down, whatever else, or if my family breaks down on the road when I'm not with them, I know AAA is there to help take care of all of us. I appreciate that. AAA, also a name to know when it comes uh, to your home insurance there as well. Uh, so all kinds of good stuff there on that, including a great new opportunity from AAA known as claim forgiveness. Let me explain to you a little bit about how this works. Uh, when you make a uh, claim, that first claim that you're going to make with a AAA uh, can be forgiven when you're insured with a claim-free insurance 
through AAA for five years. So that's a great opportunity to, I mean, listen, something happens, you want to use that, but you also, you know, kind of want to, you know, have some protection there on that. That's where the claim free thing kind of steps in. So you can check out all those benefits and the coverage that's offered at AAA.com slash home insurance. That's AAA.com slash home insurance. You can also give them a call at eight. 8- 833-718-2075. That's 833-718-2075 to find a branch near you. Now, when I'm telling you about these cool things, it's also giving me a chance to kind of go into my legal disclaimer voice here for moments. So let me do that here before I welcome in John Stinchcomb by saying that coverage is subject to all policy terms, conditions, exclusions, and limitations, discounts and saving opportunities subject to eligibility requirements, subject to underwriting requirements as well, insurance underwritten by member select insurance company and non-affiliated... <laughs> This is probably more than I'm capable of doing. And non-affiliated insurance companies, copyright 2022, the Auto Club Group, all rights reserved. So there you go on that. Our folks at AAA bringing around the doghouse to us here today. Now, I'm a little late getting to him, and I kind of jerked him around about what day he'd be on this week, and John just kind of rolled with the punches each and every time. So we're certainly appreciative of that. So let's dive into this right now. Everything happening around UGA, the chaotic last few days in college football. Also, is it likely that Arch Manning does truly land here with the dogs? Let's talk about all that more on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia with John Stinchcomb right now. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. So I say hello to John Stinchcomb here and happy to have him on the program. And as I told some of our audience before, so we were supposed to be at a golf tournament today with David Pollock. That was going to be a lot of fun. But when we're doing that and doing the show remotely, it's hard to take the phone calls and do the things that we normally do. So I had reached out to John and said, hey, would you mind coming on Tuesday this week instead of Monday because of some logistical issues that we're confronting? And John was more than happy to do that. And then the rains came down and we decided to pull the plug on doing the show from Athens here today with our friends at the Pollock Family Foundation. So driving back to the studio, check in with John. Hey, Remember when I said you uh, maybe not come on Monday? Well, what do you think about actually coming back to your normal spot here? So either way, John's been good enough to do that with us. So, John, thanks for being here on the program today and certainly hope that you uh, had a great weekend and are doing well as you head towards the summer here. Uh, I'm great, B.A., and any chance I get to talk about our dogs, I will do so. So if it's because of rain, we're moving it back, or because of a golf tournament, doing great things with children's health care of atlanta i am uh i'm on board so i want to talk to you a little bit about arch manning we talked about him before you joined us and i think you and i discussed this the other day i mean you've obviously got ties to the city of new orleans you understand how the manning family is kind of you know tied in there as 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 well you know what are your thoughts about you know we know he's going to visit georgia you know first weekend in june but as somebody who kind of understands that manning connection to the city where you also played your pro football you know what do you think of the overlap here between that manning clan and 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 georgia football and what's going to be a hot story throughout the rest of the summer here what are your early thoughts on you know just arch being in a being, being a fit in a place like uga well, I think he's got an amazing wealth of resources around him, of, of family members and those that are in the inner sanctum, the inner circle, that can provide him some sage wisdom and advice from personal experience. They've been through programs and understand what is of highest value and uh, what you should really be looking for. And, and from that platform, he can make his own decisions. I think you, you see... Uh, from Peyton and Eli and 
uh, even granddad and Archie of, of the decisions that they made and you can kind of lean on their strengths and, and why they made those choices. And it may not be the exact same school, but what were you looking for? What was really important when you actually got there and you're a part of a program? Was it being a part of a, a culture? Was it a specific position coach or QB coach in their scenario that, that made the biggest difference? Is it being surrounded with top level talent is, uh, you know, in today's day and age, is academics still a, a, of importance? Knowing <laughs> that what you're looking for is, you know, a future career in, in professional football. So, you know, all those things are are part of it, part of that bigger picture for for a guy that is as nationally coveted as Arch is. And I think the the big thing for him is just to lean into um, the the wisdom that his family has, and then apply it. For himself because he's got to make this decision it's it's his future it's his uh decision to make and knowing that family i'm not claiming that you know we hang out and, and holiday together but i've been able to to be with most of them at, at different times throughout our our lives our paths across a number of different ways and um solid family that fun loving and I, I'm sure the culture is equally as important as any of the other decision uh, decision making factors that he's going to approach so um, it, it's going to be really fun to watch I've, I've obviously kept an eye towards it as most people have uh, but just because of his family and, and the history that they've had so this is the perception that I have and I'm curious if you would echo this and maybe you won't which is that like you said, you know, you play New Orleans, so you kind of get into the Manning family there through that. I don't know them personally, but gosh knows, we see them on TV plenty. The sense that I have is is that somebody like me could sit down at a dinner table and easily talk to them, whereas like by comparison, I don't know that I could do that with Tom Brady. Like Brady eats this weird diet. He's married to this supermodel. <laughs> like like there, there's a life that Brady lives that I just don't really understand. And I'm not saying he's a bad guy or anything like that. I'm just saying that he just kind of – he just lives a very different life, you know. Weird trainers. He's just he's just got this whole life that's just hard for like a regular sure. dude to sort of comprehend. Whereas like Peyton, Eli, Archie, I mean, they've got you know between them all, they got you know probably close to a billion dollars or whatever. But it doesn't seem like there's this barrier to entry to have a conversation with them. They have done a pretty good job of either authentically being or at least presenting themselves as kind of normal folk which i think makes the recruitment of arch manning a little more interesting in the fact that you know it feels like the kind of family that would kind of like the way in which kirby smart's kind of building this georgia program that's saying a lot obviously but how much of that can you buy into well they're approachable they're fun they're funny at times i think they're watching their show on monday night football kind of gave some insight to fans that their relationships are kind of similar to what you might have with your brother. Yeah. And you know, I, I think back to my senior year uh, at Georgia, I was an All-American on the same team as, as Eli, who was an underclassman. And, you know, we're sitting there and having some laughs. Uh, and some of the other All-Americans were in our room just kind of hanging out. And we were teasing Eli because he was a junior. Most guys on the team were, were seniors for their team. And, 
we're like, yeah, we, we all know, Eli, the only reason you're here is nepotism, right? You're here because your brother, which was total <laughs> hogwash, you know, just giving him a hard time. And so he, he's like, you say that one more time, I'm going to get you. So, of course, we say it 50 more times. Well, him being roommates, I, you know, I go to bed, and then shortly thereafter, I wake up in a headlock, and he's, you know, he's, he's giving me the business. Don't, 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 you know, don't say I'm here because of pay. That's the kind of folks they are. You know, it's the approachable, fun. Uh, when you when you get to see them, it makes you feel more comfortable. And I think that's why everyone, uh, in addition to the skills that Arch has on the field and, and his uh, his rating as a recruit, everyone's monitoring because they feel like we feel like we know the family, and um, it's a family that that you at least. Uh, have a respect for or have been intrigued by or it feels relatable. So it's uh, it's fun to watch this next generation of Mannings as, as Arch gets this opportunity to kind of perpetuate and extend uh, this family legacy that we've gotten to know in a much more familiar way than uh, we have with other players and other families that have had success. Here's the other thing that, you know, I kind of come back to on this which is that I don't even know that Georgia's allowed to be in this conversation, not allowed to have a seat at the table, if not for the offensive improvement that Georgia's shown over the course of the last few years. And listen, over the course of time, I've joked as much as anybody about, you know, Kirby's dedication to his defense, and he kind of calls the defense we, and he calls the offense, you know, them. And there's this, you know, sense of even competition within the program about how the defense performs compared to the offense. But the truth is, is that. Kirby pretty obviously is just as committed to building a great offense as he has been to building a great defense. I shared some stats before you joined us about year over year improvement when it comes to yards per pass attempt, scoring, which is probably the, the stat that matters more than any other, that there has been a concerted effort to make this a great offense. And it's that commitment to being as good on that side of the ball as Kirby is on his more natural side of the ball that to me allows Georgia to be even be in this discussion. You know, they're not down the road with Arch because this is how bad they need him. They're down the road with Arch because over the course of the last couple of years, they've been paving the way for a quarterback of this magnitude, I believe. Do you agree? Yes, and, and it, it boils down to it's got to be more, right? I mean, it's got to be more than just I'm handing the ball off to great running backs at RBU and – Let's let's factor that into the equation because that's part of recruiting. When you highlight a position group and say, "Hey, look at the success we've had," well, that's that's great when you're recruiting for that specific position. But in other ways, other programs are going to use that against you and say, "Well, you see, if you don't play this position, then you might not be able to utilize your skill set uh, the way we can." and if you're looking for gaudy numbers, well, heck, you can go out to the uh, any conference, you know, west of Texas, and they'll put up gaudy numbers on a, on a weekly basis. But you won't have that same level of competition. You won't have that same complete package that programs who have elevated themselves. And I, I certainly would say that Georgia leads the list there. Um, you won't have that same level of competency across the board. And, and that complete picture will certainly non, be non-existent for some of the teams, um, you know, Pacific Northwest that might yeah. be uh, showing some offensive prowess, but against what? And 
So I, I, I think, yes, if you're looking at Georgia, the, the movement of the needle, um, Todd Munkin obviously gets a, a lion's share of the credit here of um, expanding the portfolio of what Georgia's offenses, you know, exhibit on a Saturday. And it's not just you know, four yards in a cloud of dust and old school knock them around football, which you know, Georgia fans have clung to and then we've complained about. It just depends on the conversation. Yeah. Um, but you look at this last year's team and the way that they've evolved, and that I think that's reflected in the point total um, and averages that, that they've been able to accomplish, and that becomes a, a really big recruiter. So when you're in the conversation for the top quarterback, it may not be that we're going to throw the ball 55 times a game, but – what we do offer you is a, 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 an overall experience that can make you a better player. You'll have more opportunities for play-action pass. You won't be the key individual uh, performer that has to carry the load of this entire team. You're going to be a factor. Obviously, a quarterback it's, it's a major factor. But we play complete complementary football. And – uh, you'll be able to elevate those around you, and those around you are going to be able to elevate you because of the level of play that they're at, the, the quality of player, and also the system is is built and, you know, it's malleable and that we can change due to the personnel that we have, but it's, it's not single-player-centric. I think we kind of started touching on that subject last time we were on the show, B.A., that when talking about the defense, it didn't circle around the same singular player yeah. but it was able to, to kind of spread that wealth around which you know I, I see as a major strength on both sides of the ball I think that's uh well said in the uh, last week since you and I have spoken the college ball world got really knocked on its side by the incredible war of words between Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher. I do this kind of stuff for a living. Frankly, I like this kind of drama. I just think it's entertaining. I like the soap opera of college football. But even as someone like me who follows this stuff very closely, I can say I've never seen anything quite like, you know, Saban going in on Jimbo as specifically as he did and also mentioning, you know, Miami and Deion Sanders and Jackson State too. But then to have uh, Jimbo Fisher, who was you know mentioned in the original Nick Saban rant, to come back at him as aggressively as he did this is this is not par for the course this was something different than we're used to seeing what did you make of it all john uh reminding me of I remember back in the day when mtv had those claymation figures <laughs> with like death match sure celebrity I mean, death was, match yeah it, it was uh, the real version in, in college football so uh, it was spirited i think we we're all looking forward to uh Maybe they can find a way to get them in the same room in SEC media days because it's the most pointed we've seen from SEC coaches that aren't named Lane Kiffin in quite some time. So, uh, and, and, and even he found a way to, to get in on the action with his popcorns and his tweets of just like, holy cow, this is actually happening. But, um, you know, I, I was listening early, earlier before I got on of just NIL deals and heard Coach Smart's comments on it. And really what it boils down to is control. And uh, for so long, you you knew what you were competing against. You knew uh, what the other teams were selling and what they had. And 
you know, you look at facilities and culture and winning and their records and what they've done with their players. And now we've totally changed that dynamic by entering in third parties that, that are really swinging weight around that some of these major programs, Alabama, Texas A&M, Georgia, they're all trying to figure out how, how does this fit in the matrix of, of what we've known uh, we say it's a good thing, but man, this isn't something that we can control. Um, and that's, that's where it all boils down. So when you're, when you're coach Saban and you've been doing it as long as he has, and you say, I, here's what I know I can control. I can control our culture. I can control the fact that we've continually put players in the NFL and we've got top rated facilities and great records, but all of a sudden I'm losing players and it's due to a factor that I have very little influence over that becomes a, a real problem and they that's that's the way it's seen is i can't compete against something that i'm i'm not able to control and uh right now with nil deals you've got third parties and uh you know these syndicates and pools of funds that are really becoming major factors and uh, in your five-star acquisitions and, and really further down the line of just filling out rosters and, and maintaining your rosters. So it feels foreign. And for coaches that have, have been established, um, it becomes really frustrating. And I think you start to see it lash out and, and vent a little bit. And it's uh, a little bit too for our entertainment. But, um, you know, there, there's – some real uh, factual, hard understandings that these coaches are going to have to come to grips with that the dynamic has, has very much changed and there's pieces of it that they have very little control over. John, it is a fascinating time, and I think that breakdown of it is uh, certainly pretty interesting about you know where all this is kind of going from here, and it seems like there's more wild chapters to still be written in all of this. So I appreciate you taking the time to weigh in on it with us, and Certainly look forward to speaking to you again very soon here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Palo Window and Door of Georgia. Always enjoy it, B.A. Go dog. You, sir. You, too. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, I want to get into a little bit more of this here coming up because uh, you may have read dognation.com on the weekend. Steve Spurrier's kind of waiting on this. And Spurrier kind of, in some respects, kind of cut to the quick on – I think what a lot of people look at when they see Jimbo Fisher's involvement in all of this, there's just a natural level of, I think, skepticism that's raised because of what Jimbo hasn't done since being in Texas A&M. We'll talk more about that coming up here in a moment. Before that, though, let me remind you that we are cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean, and this is quite a time to be on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship. I was talking to somebody over the weekend about you know taking these Royal Caribbean cruise vacations, and like one of the things that I love is especially when you're on like the oasis class of ship that's i was on harmony this season february uh you know there's uh, you know uh, just these great gigantic ships that have the various neighborhoods you have like the boardwalk neighborhood you have the central park neighborhood it's really almost like being a city on the sea with these uh various you know you know neighborhoods that are there and the different entertainment options and dining options that the various neighborhoods come with that that if you really want like the maximum experience that a royal caribbean cruise vacation can provide 
you know, I'd say one of those Oasis class ships, and these are, you know, seven night sailing, sailings, although I do believe they have some uh, shorter sailings coming up out of Port Canaveral on an Oasis class ship. But, uh, you know, a lot of these, you know, the Oasis class ships with the seven night sailings where you get a chance to just experience everything that's on board. You know, you have the Aqua Theater on the back of the ship. That's kind of that little boardwalk neighborhood. And you watch the high diving show, but you can also take advantage of the great, you know, restaurant options. It's like literally being like a Coney Island style boardwalk, like right there on the cruise ship or like the Central Park neighborhood where you're walking through all the foliage and the, you know, very, you know, nice, quaint, you know, gardens that are around there. And you're checking out the specialty restaurants like, you know, uh, Chops Grill or you know, s- some of those kinds of things. Uh, 150 Central Park. And just there's just a lot of really cool opportunities available to you on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship. So I hope you'll explore more of them. In fact, let me encourage you to use our friends, the Cruise and Vacation Authority, when you do that. Check them out online, the Cruise and Vacation Authority at tcava.com. That's the website, TC ava.com you can also give them a call 770-952-8300 that's 770-952-8300 check out what they have in store for you here today with that in mind let's go cruise around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean told you before you know steve spurrier kind of cut right to the heart of the matter when it comes to the jimbo fisher nick saban feud i guess seemingly kind of taking saban's side in all of this let me show you the quote uh our buddy mike griffith catching up with spurrier over the weekend uh, Steve saying, I don't think Saban told any lies in there. So I don't know what he was mad about, the he being Jimbo Fisher. Since Jimbo Fisher beat him last year, I guess he can talk now. He hasn't beat much of anybody, but he beat Saban last year, but they haven't won the division or anything since he's been there. And that's kind of the issue here on this, which is, okay, you're using the NIL money and you're getting the recruiting classes, but are you going to actually win anything on the field? And I'm not talking about an upset of Alabama. I'm talking about, you know, putting a 10-win season together, being a little bit of a threat in the SEC West. Anybody can pull an upset, but can you be more than just a team that sneaks up on Alabama and surprises them? Can you actually compete alongside them? And that's one of the questions I think it's being asked a lot. And Steve Spurrier kind of addresses that there with his comment. I was actually even thinking about that a little bit when John Stinchcomb was speaking to us a moment ago, the idea of control and Kirby Smart talked about control of the NIL situation. And I'd, I'd use that word in relationship to Jimbo Fisher, too. For a guy that hasn't really won games, who hasn't matched the success he had at Florida State thus far, Texas A&M, does Jimbo Fisher feel in control right now? Like, you know, the line from the movie, one of those Batman, uh, Christopher Nolan Batman movies where Bane, like... <laughs> you know looks into the guy's eyes and say do you feel in control do you feel in charge uh like i wonder i wonder if jimbo fisher feels in control of his situation i'm pretty sure that jim laranaga the miami basketball coach doesn't feel like he's running his program right now i feel like the entirety of the miami basketball program is simply a negotiation between john ruiz the head booster and the various agents nil agents for the players themselves laranaga is little more than just a bit player in all of this I wonder how in control of Texas A&M football Jimbo Fisher actually feels and how much maybe pressure he feels to go along with what Steve Spurrier said right there of compete for the division, actually win some games, do more than just upsetting Alabama. Like, what does it actually feel like right now to be Jimbo Fisher? I'm not quite so sure I have a a very good answer to that question. Uh, Along those same lines, there's a Texas A&M fan who's apparently a pretty accomplished artist, and he has taken a attempt here at kind of modeling the Fisher-Saban feud like a famous Norman Rockwell painting. You know Norman Rockwell, the 
you know, old time famous American artist here who one of his famous, you know, works of art was like the two boy, like it's kind of like an Americana type thing. That's what Rockwell's kind of famous for, you know, and the two boys were fighting and got sent to the principal. And basically this Texas A&M fan has kind of turned that into uh, his own version of that with, with Saban and Jimbo Fish. Let me show you this on the screen here for a moment. So if you're not watching a video, <laughs> like this is really very well done. So Trey Stevens is the guy's name. His Instagram account's Trey Stevens Art. So you see Jimbo and Saban sitting there in Greg Sankey's office, like sort of designed to be like the school principal. You see the NIL drawer down there. That's the filing cabinet. You see the look on Saban's face, the little bit of the smirk on Jimbo Fisher's face. Like how talented do you have to be to kind of create something like this? And the whole notion of Saban and Fisher being called in the principal's office, that's a little bit kind of like what's been going on here. I and it's by the way it's extended beyond just Saban and Fisher there was some uh, chatter over the course of the weekend that Lane Kiffin last week was supposed to go on the Dan Patrick show Kiffin's obviously had some fun with this topic on social media and the Dan Patrick folks wanted him to come on and presumably talk about this and probably another a number of other subjects there as well well as the story goes Lane Kiffin actually canceled his interview with the Dan Patrick show because the commissioner apparently wanted him to so there's pretty obviously an attempt to circle the wagons here. Many of you are aware we're only a few days away from the start of the spring coaches meetings in Destin, Florida, the SEC spring meetings. Obviously, Jimbo and Saban will be in the same room, and all those instigators like Lane Kiffin are going to be right there with them. But based on the activity here as of late, you sort of guess this is all just about over. The commissioner right now is not going to tolerate any more rogue commentary, not from Saban, not from Fisher, who – literally and figuratively got called in the principal's office but guys like lane kiffin there too one more thing on this topic before i change the subject though i thought this was interesting are you familiar with ryan fowler ryan's a radio host in alabama i go on his show sometimes he's been on our show over the course of the years and i don't have this for you but you can go find it on ryan's twitter account maybe i'll put a link to it when i post the show he actually went back and dug deep and found what he says is evidence that maybe Jimbo Fisher is not quite authentic in his hatred for Nick Saban. This is a little bit of a new tune for him. And Ryan got photographic evidence and video evidence of Jimbo Fisher hanging out outside the Alabama locker room at the conclusion of the 2017 National Championship game, the one in which Alabama beat Georgia, waiting for more than an hour to congratulate Nick Saban for winning. And what Ryan asked, and I think this is a fair question, of do you wait an hour to speak to somebody that you hate, that you think is despicable, that you think of as a narcissist? And is that the kind of thing that you would do? And I think it's a fair question. He's got video of Jimbo saying very complimentary things about Saban at the time. But my oh my, maybe how things have changed. Now, which is the true version of the way that Jimbo feels about Saban? Maybe we'll never really know. But it is certainly at least interesting to note that Fowler's got some evidence from from Jimbo that at least at one point in time in the past, expressed a very different tune about Nick Saban. Now, I'll also say it's not all that unusual for coaches to feel one way about each other at one point and feel very differently at another point. There's a time in which maybe Nick Saban, I should say maybe Kirby Smart, like Dan Mullen, maybe liked each other better than they kind of have in recent years. These things just kind of change over the course of time. So if Jimbo and Saban have had a falling out, they wouldn't be the first group of coaches to do that. Told you we had a lot of recruiting on the show today. I don't think we've paid off on that. Uh, maybe one less than stellar piece of news although maybe it points the arrow in another direction is the fact that five-star running back Reuben Owens uh, Nick Harris a rivals reporter uh, reporting that Owens 
is not going to take a George official visit. He was supposed to do that middle part of June, not doing that. For now, the only official visits he has, TCU and Louisville, the presumption here is Nick Harris is not going – I should say uh, Ruben Owens is not going to either one of those two schools. But for now, Owens not taking that official visit to Georgia. To me, that puts a bigger spotlight and a bigger arrow in the direction of Justice Haynes. That's who Jeff told you over the course of the weekend is also taking his official visit to UGA the same time that Arch Manning is, same time other high-profile figures are. So pretty clearly when it comes to elite running backs, the class of 2023, Georgia definitely heavily involved right now in Justice Haynes and maybe much less involved in a guy like Ruben Owens. The fact that he cancels his official visit would certainly seem to be an indication of that. One more story I want to get to you here. And obviously at the time we talked a lot about the attempt to oust Brian Harson as Auburn coach. Uh, boosters did not like Harson. They felt like they had some ammunition because of his lackluster first season, the job. And there was an attempt on the part of somebody, and we don't exactly know who, but there was the attempt on the part of somebody to cultivate a lot of salacious rumors around Harson, connected to all kinds of things uh, as a way of justifying not just moving on from Harson. They could have done that if they wanted to, but to get out from paying the buyout, which would have been both embarrassing to move on from a coach after one year and also kind of expensive there, too. Well, the most famous, well-known Auburn booster currently is Jimmy Rain. That's the Yellowwood guy. You see that lumber with like the yellow tag stamped on it. That's what Yellowwood is. Jimmy Rain's a very well-known Auburn booster. He's also on the board of trustees there for the institution. He had his celebrity golf tournament here recently, uh, and the Montgomery Advertiser had a reporter on hand to ask Rain in his about his role in trying to to get Brian Harson out after one year. This is what Jimmy Rain told the Montgomery Advertiser. I'll show you this on the screen and also read you the quote there as well. He says, trustees don't hire and fire football coaches. We hire and fire presidents. So I'm not aware of any role the trustees played in that at all, meaning trying to get rid of Brian Harson. He says, I think there were questions that the administration had, and Jay Googe, that's the former Auburn president, is the kind of president that wants facts. He's going to do thorough investigations. And so that's uh, was a providence of the administration, certainly not the trustees. Once again, that's Auburn booster Jimmy Rain, the Yellowwood guy from the Montgomery Advertiser after his golf tournament. Here's the thing on all of this. My feelings on this really haven't changed. Like, boosters are going to do what they do. They're going to try to get whatever control you allow them to have over a program. And while it seems like we talk more about the Auburn booster, sometimes we do boosters of other programs. Honestly, I don't know they actually behave all that differently than anybody else would. They've just been given probably a little bit more free reign at a place like Auburn. But ultimately, when it comes to the Brian Harson situation in particular, listen, I told you before, Brian Harson's not a good enough coach to be in the SEC. Uh, his year on the job at Auburn proves that. Um, and the fact that you moved on from Gus Malzahn to bring in someone who's a lesser coach than Malzahn ought to be embarrassing for a program like Auburn because it's clearly, I'm not telling you that, uh, that Malzahn's the greatest coach ever, but it's clearly a step down from a coaching standpoint to go from Malzahn to Harson. You should be embarrassed about that. But what's worse here is, is that you had the Auburn program drag out this investigation of Brian Harson during the offseason in the hopes they could find a way to satisfy the boosters who did want to move on from Harson. That's pretty clearly what happened, whether uh, that's what Rain admits or not. But in doing so, all of these salacious rumors, and some of y'all know what some of these were, all of these salacious rumors were just, you know, amplified within the internet, the social media stuff in a way that was unfair to everybody involved because it was all said and done. 
I don't know that there was a stitch of any of that that was ever proven. And so Auburn folks, you know, administrative level folks, as a way of trying to save some money and save some face, ending up like legitimately harming some people's lives. And it's one thing to say they did that to Brian Harson. He's a public figure and he's got a lot of money to fall back on. But some of the other folks who got messed up in all this, they're not famous and they're not rich. And their reputation was tarnished, I believe, unfairly. And that's not Booster's fault. That, to me, is university's fault because they allowed it to go on. That's still the ugliest part of all of that drama. And we'll make that cruise and run the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Speaking of drama, we're expecting to have some good drama in Mercedes-Benz Stadium to kick off the uh, 2022 season with Georgia and Oregon. It's already a big game. Some folks seem to want to make it bigger. We're going to give a golden shoe today to our good friend Miriam Corbin, who shares a post from the UGA Spike Squad on Instagram calling for a blackout of the Benz. Now, we saw the video the other day of Harry Dog wearing the black jersey in the uh, Duck Hunt parody video that Georgia put out. And the Spike Squad folks, who are the students, they're kind of down in the front row. They want to take that a step further with a blackout of the bins. Is that going to go down? I, I don't know. I don't even know if George is the home team. I, I, I guess presumably they must be if all this effort's being done to do this there on that. I wouldn't mind the black jerseys. I think the blackout looks pretty cool. I, I guess I'm sort of ambivalent to this. If this is what people want to do, I, I really don't care. Uh, but we'll see if anything builds there on that. Lousy, stinking Gators. They're pretty much blacked out of the entire championship conversation right now. How about 4,883 days since they have won a national championship? And how about a Gator Hater countdown? 159. <laughs> A lot of those today. 159 days from right now, Georgia back in Jacksonville, beating up on Florida again. That is our Gator Hater Countdown. We will see you tomorrow, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. R.S. Andrews, of course, the one you turn to for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs. They show up on time. They do the work that's promised, the price that's promised. We'll take a few comments here. Going back to dognation.com the other day, Silver Bridges checks in on the Jimbo Fisher, Nick Saban wharf words, saying, considering the two coaches involved, are we really surprised by any of this? He says, I'm not surprised at all. For one, Saban's the biggest crybaby of them all. He says, let's let these two idiots fight it out, meaning he and Jimbo Fisher. I kind of get a kick out of seeing them argue. <laughs> he also says that Saban's still mad the dog spanked him in the title game, 33-18. to 18. He says, that'll do that to a coach. And I kind of agree with Silver Bridges in that let's not lose sight of the fact that you know, Nick Saban did have that advantage over Kirby in that, you know, people were of the belief that that Kirby couldn't beat him on the field. And some of the veneer of Saban was was punctured, was tarnished when when Kirby did that, that, you know, for all the attention Jimbo beating Saban in recruiting has gotten, it's really the on field loss that I would think probably sticks with Saban maybe a, a little bit more. But a lot of this does just kind of come down to just typical good old fashioned whining whining about players being hurt when he played Georgia, whining about Jimbo using the tactics that that he's using. Some of that pretty clearly is just simply about Saban being incapable of handling any kind of setback whatsoever. I think that Silver Bridges is probably right about that. OP Mike checks in on Twitter to say, on the subject of Arch Manning, that I believe the last time there was a, uh, this much publicity for a single recruit, it might have been for Caleb King, You know, comparing that to Arch Manning. He says, Mark Richt actually set up a missing man formation using Georgia players to show King where he'd be fitting into the Georgia offense, and we know how well that turned out, meaning maybe not so great. 
Like I do get that. And I do get, as I mentioned to some of our video audience a little earlier this morning, that if you're the kind of person that watches or listens to the show on a regular basis, you would be aware of the recruits that Georgia was chasing in any given year. Whatever quarterback Georgia was going after, that person would be well known to you. Whereas it just so happens this year, that's the kind of quarterback who's well known to everybody. And so what you think it is that you notice is more attention to Manning than would typically be paid to the kind of elite quarterback that George would normally be going after. And you're 100% right about that. There's just more attention here. And we predicted this. It's turned out for the most part exactly what we thought it would be, that Manning is just bringing a level of attention to the recruiting process that otherwise might not be there. And I understand why that's off-putting for people who follow recruiting no matter what. But here's the one thing I am firmly in the belief of. It doesn't make it less likely that Manning will be successful. If you want to say that the level of attention Manning's currently getting is greater than his chances for success, that might be true. Certainly no one's a sure thing, and famous last name doesn't help you with that any more than anything else would, that there's a little bit of a risk or a bet being made, but every recruit that you bring in. But I don't believe that the hype diminishes Manning's chances of succeeding. It just may be out of whack with what any recruit's chances are of truly paying off on his on his expectations, but it doesn't harm, you know, March to get this level of attention. He's getting the level of attention because that last name just carries a lot of weight. Peyton and Eli are two of the most famous people in the world, really. Certainly Peyton is, especially because of all the commercial work that he's done and Manning just kind of following in those footsteps here. It's just one of those perfect stories that's going to develop a lot of steam and there is a chance that arch wherever he goes to school i believe he's going to georgia but wherever he goes to school that he might get on campus and turn out not to be a great quarterback five-star quarterbacks only hit with a success rate of about 50 percent. i don't know there's any reason to believe that arch's chances of success are any better than that so it may be a coin flip about whether or not he'll turn out to be as good as we think that he can be but i don't think the hype in and of itself puts additional risk on him not panning out this is simply just providing a service to more casual fans who only notice this story because it's the famous last name if you don't follow recruiting regularly in other words if you're not well practiced in how to even learn about recruiting all of these new names it just can be overwhelming because you know george is going to sign 25 of them but over the course of a recruiting cycle we'll talk about 75 of them we might talk about 100 different names it's just a lot to keep up with if you don't have a lot of built-in knowledge on that so most people i shouldn't say most people the average person hears recruiting story and in some cases it goes in one ear and out the other because it's more than they have the capacity to follow at that moment but arch manning just has a level of stickiness to it because that's already a last name they know Will Reed also checks in on the subject of Steve Spurrier, who talked to Dog Nation last week about the Jimbo Saban feud, says, I'm always a Gator hater, but Spurrier is a national treasure. I hope he gives, uh, I hope you give us some of those Spurrier quotes on the show today. So we did do that. Um, you know, listen, do I find Spurrier to occasionally be a little entertaining? I do. I thought that he kind of, you know, cut right to the heart of the matter on the Jimbo thing a moment ago with when it comes to what he hasn't done so far at Texas A&M so pretty clearly you know that's kind of what a lot of people are already thinking on this of like well you know Jimbo's winning these recruiting battles but he's not winning on the field so how legitimate is this Spurrier seems to kind of cut to the quick there on that but admittedly I probably still see Spurrier more through the 
gator hater lens than anything else. So interesting to hear him weighing on that topic nonetheless. Thanks for being here for our R.S. Andrews cool down today. Of course, R.S. Andrews, you can turn to them for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. They show up on time. They do the work that's promised, the price is promised. You can trust R.S. Andrews on that today. Hope you all have a great day. We'll see you back here tomorrow for Dog Nation Daily presented by Palo Window and Door of Georgia. We'll look forward to talking to you then.